So this episode of Consider This, we uh, have in the studio, our new studio. So take a look around and you'll go, wow, that looks new because it's a new studio. Um, we are going to be talking about um, it, it, not the contradictions of Jesus, but how when you read the Sermon on the Mount, there might appear to be some contradictions, and particularly about praying and fasting and giving. Um, Jesus says, on the one hand, everybody should see your good works so God can be praised. So make sure that you do your good works in private. How does that work? Uh, what does that look like, like practically in your families as you're trying to live out your obedience to Jesus Christ? Uh, Ryan, Vincent, and I are going to be having that conversation. We really hope it's going to be a blessing and a challenge to you. Enjoy. So when people talk about the issue of the Bible contradicting itself, mm. what do they usually mean? When, when, you, when you hear somebody say that, you know, I struggle with the Bible because it contradicts itself. What, what can you almost expect that their struggle or their difficulty revolves around? Uh They'll look at discrepancies in the gospel accounts in terms of numbers of witnesses, numbers of angels, numbers of donkeys. Numbers are usually featured in there a lot. Discrepancies in the Old Testament in terms of the numbers of, uh, say, military might. And, you know, not that any of those things don't have answers, but they are also a little, um, or at least waist deep in terms of how far you have to wade in to really deal with them. But a lot of times I think those are, those are at least what I get. Yep, there are yep. others, but those are just what I get. So then, and then, like the the contradictions, like the Bible clearly says A, and then it also says B. Any and anything that you've run into, because I, I think one of the things I've always noticed is that it's like they've heard that there are discrepancies or they've heard yeah. that there are contradictions. Um, and the majority of people that I speak with, um, I even understand where they're coming from, but I know more of them than they do. Yeah, I mean, not not to be a. Um, bullish about it but i've had that those conversations in a coffee shop um with someone who's a little antagonistic or even legitimately questioning yep, they've, they've yep. heard so and so dominant cross and is suddenly a very important yep. person in their yep, life yep, yep. and they'll say well what do you do with the bible's contradictions and i i've really grown to just say show them to me yeah um and then we can talk about them yep. and seldom do they actually know where they are, and then it can be encouraging when I show them to them. It's like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. so you know, like, I, it's not that I didn't know about them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and yeah. I like actually to my only hope in that conversation is to win them to the phrase apparent contradictions. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, well, one that, that I I think is very um, yeah. Do you wrestle with? Is there one when you think about it, like a contradiction or an apparent contradiction in the Bible that you go, that one's a little tougher to. No, um, probably at times, but not anymore. And, and I think, I think a big um, paradigm shift for me, and and I don't know if this happened over a long period of time, but it's definitely where I am now. Is that if you were to ask, um, say, let's just take the person of Jesus. If, if, sometimes you like to ask people, do you really resonate with the humanity of Jesus or yeah, the divinity, divinity of Jesus? Of Jesus. Yeah, and yeah. I am pretty hard <laughs> on the divinity of Jesus side in terms of the part that I'm most enamored with. And so I I quickly become more accepting of God's prerogative to, mm. in some sense, confuse me, not by confusing me, but because I'm so much less than him. Yeah, you can't you can't keep up. He's not he's not trying to make it hard. Yes. I'm a human. And so <laughs> and whenever I try to think about something that's not human. Yeah, if anything, he's this is evidence that he's he's condescended to my level at some love at some sense. One that I think people fresh like get frustrated with, and you can even call God hypocritical and I think wrongly, but 
I understand where they're getting uh, where they're getting it from. Is so King David, a man, uh, a warrior king who is who has um, done in some in, in many ways his 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 kingship is marked by uh, a certain grievous sin and then an inability to to parent his children well. But early on, it's marked by. Um, the continuation of the the Canaanite conquest that yeah. Joshua and Caleb began, and yeah. so you often see David fighting with the Philistines and other surrounding nations. He spends a lot of his career expanding the borders of Israel, and for all you can read in the text, these are considered admirable things by and large. And then David says, "Hey God, I want to build you a temple," yeah. and God says, "No, you can't. You're a man of blood." And it's like I, I think we read that we're like, "Oh, wait a minute! I, I did what you told me to do." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, I I've always found that one to be very, very interesting. Yeah, and it really doesn't bother me because I think I, I I can quickly get to the point where God says, "Yes, I called you to that, not to this." Yeah. yeah. And it's not as though um, you know me calling you to certain things doesn't come with ramifications. Yeah. No. You I are like a, you are a man whose hands are are covered in in lifeblood, so to speak. So I really, I really, I, I first I struggle with it, and then it becomes even somewhat redemptive to me mm. um, when I think about the fact that there are ways that are deeper than my ability to understand, or uh, and, and even in terms of like, so why am I so bothered that David's not allowed to do what he wants to do? <laughs> and then I'm kind of going, oh, that's because I live in America, around you know, born in 1968. You yeah. know, and I live in 2021, and so that's how I think. I think that if I'm not allowed to do what I clearly want to do, someone is and, and are capable of doing and capable of then someone is doing something wrong. Yes, right? Dave, I want to do it, like, so why can't I do what I want to do? David doesn't look at God or call in Nathan. Can you ask God why my democratic rights are being violated? violated. <laughs> David, right? as a sovereign himself. Understood a greater <laughs> sovereignty. You yeah, know? that's a good way to put it. That's kings understand greater kings. Um, so here's one that's kind of interesting, and I preached on it recently. And so this is what I want to uh, what I want to think about. Jesus, um, I've never had anybody bring this up to me um, in the sense like, oh, this is a contradiction, and I have a hard time believing in Jesus. So it usually doesn't come along like that. But I do have a lot of people saying, you know, Jesus tells us that we should um, pray in private, mm-hmm. or Jesus tells us that we should give in private. And as they kind of watch the life of Jesus, then they find out like he doesn't do that. Yeah. Or in the same, and so in the Sermon on the Mount, right, we have actually what can appear like contradictory ideas or contradictory statements. Make sure that you do your good works privately so that you're not drawing attention to yourself. And in that same text, right, that same sermon, he says things like, and everyone will see your good works and give well, glory. But you're telling me to not let them see it. Yeah. And he ends the parable with things like, or he ends the sermon, right, with the idea that, and, and you will be able to know a tree by its fruit. Mm-hmm. But I thought we were supposed to, like, hide our fruit. Like I but thought he, it was but he also says that right on the heels of do not judge. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Don't Before judge. Before you make judgments. Don't judge. Don't but judge. as you're making those judgments that yeah. you're not supposed to, I mean, and, and so I want to talk a little bit about that. I, I really want this to be kind of one of those practical things mm-hmm. that... Um, is it right for Christians to um, almost to? Does it sound? Is it contradictory or is it uh, hypocritical of us mm. to to do things, to pray in public, to have like congregational prayer, where Ryan Vincent stands up? And I know you, you you take some great intentionality in the words of your prayer, but Jesus actually says, when you pray, don't do this. Yeah. So 
are you are you doing are you doing something wrong? I mean, I, I, you're, yeah. you're going to say no. Yeah. Um, why no? Why not? Why why are you why are you not being hypocritical when when you do that? Um, I, I think that this question, um, it's a good question, but I think that it's it's negative answers become so obvious and apparent to us when we only summarize what Jesus is saying. That's good. So when it's um, this is my my frustration with verse of the day devotions. Yeah. <laughs> Just. Yep, yep. Almost useless. I, I don't know if I can go all the way to say it. Absolutely pointless. And Jesus in this sermon won't let me call it or call them fools. But um, <laughs> when you when you begin to truncate the Bible and truncate the Bible and truncate the Bible, and this is this is the danger. I'm a guy that loves um, statements of faith and confessional statements or creeds, but. I also understand the inherent danger Limits. of the reductive yeah. way of talking about scripture because you could say Jesus says don't don't give in pri- or give in private pray in private do these good things in private um, don't let people see you fast don't let them know you're fasting um, but you miss like the the causal or or the uh, the, the reason behind why yeah, you're saying it yeah, yeah. the yeah, the, yeah, the clauses yeah. that come after so. You know, in in say the Sermon on the Mount, you know, we the sermon a few weeks ago was preaching through the the little passage on you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world, and he closes that with let your light shine before others. Yeah, right. Yep. Why? And that like those those uh, they're you know if you want to get real technical, they're called henna clauses. That yep. so yep. that purpose yep. clauses, purpose that. statements. Yep. Henna, by the way. Is the Greek word for in order that? Yes, or so that. Sometimes so we translate it so could, that. You could so. just a, a nice English phrasing would just be purpose statements. Yeah, purpose statements. So why? Um, and almost every time I'm reading the Bible, it's become. Maybe I feel like even... I'm your translator sometimes. <laughs> yes. Hi, yes. my name is Jim. <laughs> I am. Tra- I'll be translating for Ryan Vincent this morning. And then, weirdly enough, he can't hear you, so I'll be <laughs> signing back at him. <laughs> um, well, I feel like there are moments where you you have to do it for me too. So yes, I, yes. I feel like it's a reciprocal. That's but, why that's why we have a. Um, yeah, no, we're good. Don't need to go there. Go ahead. So when I'm reading scripture out loud yeah. in public, yep. I actually um, I've developed a habit. So I'll read say Matthew five sixteen in the same way. Let your text or your light shine before others, and then I'll pause and I'll say why. So that yeah. they may yeah. see your good yeah. works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So, um, just a little bit of a draw our attention to the the value of that clause at the end. What Jesus is saying is, this is why I want you to let your light shine before others for the glory of God. Yeah. And that gives us a good hint going forward yeah. why He's going to tell you to do certain things in private. Yep. And I would even say proverbially so. And we're going to come back to. I, I, I imagine we'll come back to what it means to consider some of these things in a proverbial sense. But shortly thereafter, he it's, it's in chapter six. You kind of get this this. Yeah, if you have your Bibles, you might want to just open them up to Matthew five, six, and seven because we're going to try to stay in that. Yeah. in that sermon because that's really what we're dealing with. That's what I was even preaching on, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yep. So in chapter six, you get this little triplet. Um, so you get the instructions on how to give, and that first paragraph ends with uh, when you give to the poor. Wow, my eyes are bad. Verse four. So that. Yeah, so that, so do so, and don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Why? So that your giving may be in secret. Okay, well, why do you want your giving to be in secret? And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Yeah. Okay, yep. That's that helps see a little bit, but it doesn't really unpack it fully. Okay, then the next section says how to pray. So whenever you pray, don't be like hypocrites. Don't stand in the synagogues. Don't use many words. 
Uh, when you pray, go into this is verse six. Six. When you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, pray to your Father who is in heaven, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, and then, very shortly after the Lord's prayer, He gives instructions on how to fast. Yep. Do so, so privately. Wash your 18. face so that your and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And what I think is is being highlighted here yeah. is that your reward for these things is to come from the Father, not from the glory of man yeah. Yeah. watching and delighting in you. So, um, yes, I love a beautifully um, thought through prayer. I am I am a big fan of um, preparing to pray publicly, um, but not so that. Andrea Johnson will fawn over how yeah. well spoken I am, yep. but because I want I want it to be reverential towards its intended object, God, and I think that's one of the big differences. And and I, I like your idea of saying, okay, let's figure out the reason why, like what is actually going on. I, I, one of my favorite illustrations about this, and it, t- it talks a little bit about the danger of traditions, which I would even say that what Jesus is confronting here are traditions about prayer, praying, which we have as well, yeah, and traditions about giving, which we have as well, mm-hmm. and traditions about fasting, which we have less of. Um, and, and so in our culture, in our religious culture, in our Christian culture, we have traditions that have been developed. And they're probably not written down, but we definitely have belief systems and traditions. They're embedded about, in the culture. They're embedded in the culture. And so um, whenever, whenever one of my favorite illustrations about just the dangers of traditions is that this mom is sitting there and she's getting ready to cook this ham for Easter or whatever. And she takes the ham and she cuts off one end and she cuts off the other end and she puts it in the oven. And her daughter sees her and says, Mom, why do you do that? And she's like, well... Uh, I don't know why I do that. Actually, I just saw my mom do it all the time. Hmm. So I don't know what it is about the ham that maybe, I don't know, maybe the ham has more, like, you know, the juices flow out. I have no idea, but you're supposed to cut off this end and you're supposed to cut off this end. No, but why? Do you know why? I really don't know why. I just watched my mom do it all the time. So um, I'm going to call my mom. So she does, right? She calls her mom and she says, Mom, why do we cut off one end of the ham and the other end of the ham before we ever cook one? And the mom said, well, I cut off one end and the other end because the pan's too small. I don't know why you do it. <laughs> and then she literally said, well, my pan's not too small. My mom, and then her mom said, well, then why would you throw away those, that good part of the ham? <laughs> and I, I think that's interesting because literally the mom had a reason for doing something. Mm-hmm. that had, There was a purpose that existed. Yeah. And then when we, when, we, when we don't, it's why I think it's even important for us to think through the statements of Jesus and each generation needs to think through each yeah. reason why. So why did Jim raise his boys to do A, B, and C? And then I want my kids not to just teach them to do A, B, and C, but to learn like the how and the why of the A, B, and the C. Yeah. Um, and then to even be able to change it to A prime, B prime, C prime, yeah. right? Or even to A, D, Q, or whatever they want to do. And I really think it's important, and that's a little bit of what we're dealing with here. You're saying... Let's pay attention to the so that's, yeah, so that we can understand what Jesus is really addressing. I'll give you a, a contemporary example around prayer. Ask if you want a fun conversation. Ask someone why they take their ball cap off to pray. Yeah. Well, it's more reverential. Well, who said that? Well, who said that? And that is more rooted in specific cultures and time periods yeah. than it is in any sort of biblical principle. Yeah. Actually, in fact, you, many people were supposed to pray with their heads covered. I know, I know. <laughs> well, it's interesting because when where I really where I really saw that highlighted was being in Israel. Oh yeah. And you, if you're in any in any sacred space that's Catholic, then you're 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 supposed to uncover your head. 
But you and go if, Jewish? If you go Jewish, you're supposed to cover your head. So we're trying to be reverential. Yes. And the act of reverence actually takes it's a little bit like I, uh, Max uh, was taking a, my son Max was taking is taking a class right now at Ozark and in the class he was talking about the change that existed culturally um, as our worship became more say for the sake for Roman, the Roman mm-hmm. that all of a sudden in in order to show reverence one uh, stood yeah no one no one kneeled sorry one yeah. kneeled as opposed to standing yeah um, and so in the Jewish context you stand to show reverence yeah um, but you actually have more in the Roman how you worship the deities is to is to kind of in that sense like to to bow down yeah so to speak so and, and here I don't want to take like if you if if it is in your conscience that it is to be reverent <laughs> before God to remove your hat to pray that's great um, I like to kneel. Actually, yeah. I, I find uh, maybe I'm just more Roman. I don't know. Um, but so like, I, I think it's interesting to think through some of these um, these traditional expectations that we've yeah. placed on people regarding yeah. prayer. I think another one in our neck of the woods. It's probably it's not true in the West uh, universally or uniformly. But another one that surrounds prayer in our neck of the woods is um, uh what would you call it? Spontaneous prayer is inherently yeah. more more valuable, more, more reverential, more spiritual Dude, than than a written prayer. The way that you can just come up with stuff oh. without really thinking is so spiritual. <laughs> and, really? And I don't. I pray. I like pray that way all down the time. And carefully wording my phrases to God, and not because I'm out of out of out of a kind of a fear, but I mean, Jesus. This is what I find interesting. So on the on the prayer thing, right? And and people love to talk about well it doesn't matter how you pray as long as you're as long and then they say like to say as long as you're being honest yeah or as long so you have an as long as you are mm-hmm. which means it does matter how you pray yeah so nobody really seems to be able to say that and and by the way like in the text Jesus actually doesn't say um, be authentic nope but he does say some things like don't be like the hip don't be like the hypocrites. and then he talks more about their attitudinal issues mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't want you to babble. Like the Gentiles, since they imagine they're going to be heard because of their many words. So it is the uh, the hypocrisy of praying so that I might be seen by others, mm-hmm. or the uh, the 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 just it's wrong minded. God doesn't hear us because of our many words. Yeah, yeah, you know. And I, I think it's important for us to think about kind of the the why and the how you pray. Um, you know, it's interesting because you know to to really kind of cut down to the, to the point. Um, I, I found it to be interesting, and, and so I think this conversation actually matters more than we realize, is I know a lot of people who take pride in giving in private, and no one knows they're givers, and no one knows they're generous. And then I wonder sometimes, so how is God praised in that? Yeah. Right? So if the, if the purpose is that God might be praised, right? So you've done a really good job. No one knows you give. Um, and let, I'm just first of all going to assume that you're still giving somewhere. Yeah. Where did your children learn to be generous? Yeah. Well, my children didn't. My children really are not generous people. I did that privately. Did you really do what the Bible holistically teaches? And yeah. I, I would say you didn't. Yeah. And it's all it's misguided humility. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yep. 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 Um, you know, I, I, I think of because it's, it's almost a proud thing. Yeah. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. I, it, you know. Does it sound? I mean, it sounds pride, prideful, right? When I give, let me tell you how I give. Yeah, yeah. I give the right way. Well, you don't. I have a guy in my life group that just has has no concern whatsoever, just asking you very pointed questions. Like he would ask, he's asked me, "What do you make?" Yeah. 
And and I said, okay, well, like this isn't something that you should probably go and broadcast. But I told him. And then he asks, he'll ask you, what'd you pay for your house? And he'll ask, how much do you give? This is how much I give. And what he's what he's not doing is yeah. he's. I, I truly don't think it's a nosiness. It's a it's a transparency in him that just yeah. wants to be very very faithful. And he sees yeah, he's, asking he's, questions he's as for ways real, for yep. him to learn from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you've even talked about like Drew Mosk asking yeah. you how to how do you decide how much to, how much to, to spend on a house yeah. or a car yeah. or whatever. And now that comes with a for those who can do it at a very high level, it you run the risk of pride. And for yeah. those yeah. who are maybe more hesitant to share, is it because you're probably kind of embarrassed that you don't or whatever? Or you maybe have a, a misguided view of, well, I just don't make a lot of money, so I give X amount, and I just, I, I, I'm kind of embarrassed, whatever. And, you know, th- just, this just, that's not what he's talking about when he says yeah, yeah. to give in private. He's saying to give in private, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, I think, so that God will be glorified, not so that yes. man will, you know, marvel at the fact that, well, that woman only put two mites in and this guy threw a thousand in. Well, I, I, I even think that, and I'll start within myself, because I, I see all the brokenness in the world at some level, like, has or uh, the spirit is, is, is reviving, uh, is redeeming, is restoring, is renewing, is all those things in me. Um, but I, I get it. I get a lot of the struggles that people go through. Um, and I remember the times going, man, I'm so glad Jesus says that we're supposed to pray in private because then people might be able to assume I actually pray <laughs> when I really don't. Yeah, yeah. Or I really, really am glad that I get to give in private so that nobody will know how much I'm not giving. Yeah. Or I really, really am glad to know that I'm supposed to fast privately because now nobody knows that I don't even fast at all. Yeah. And I really love the fact that Jesus gave me kind of a shelter and I think Jesus would look at me and go, yeah, I, I would have had a completely different sermon to you. Yeah. That I, I wonder sometimes, it would be interesting, and, and I'll, I'll only get one on the other side of eternity. Jesus, can you redo the Sermon on the Mount for what Ryan and I and Steve and Sonny Brooke needed to hear in 2020 mm-hmm. about, about uh, being persecuted, about what salt and light looked like, mm-hmm. um, about how we should pray? and how Because I would not be shocked at all if Jesus wouldn't say, that we are cowardly in some of our behaviors, uh, that we're not in danger. This is, I think, one of the little bit of the problems when I hear people being really concerned about us all becoming Pharisees. And I really want to go, really? I've never met one. Like, you think we're, like, almost becoming Pharisees? You literally look at American culture and go, yeah, we are so... Le-. Well, no, weirdly enough, we are becoming a different kind of legalism. Yeah. But we're not becoming biblically legalistic. Nope. We're more we're, Sadducee than we're more, Yeah, we're more Sadducee and free-flowing than we, are, than we are Pharisee in terms of our thinking. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think Jesus would give us a different set of instructions and not contradict himself. No, and I, th- and I think that he would conclude the sermon in much the same way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you will yeah. be known by your fruit. Yeah, and I think the, that'd be a great comment, right? The blessing, the beatitudes at the beginning, and the and the closing remarks, and the closing remarks um, would would remain the same, and the middle needs to be recontextualized. Yeah, yeah, and so because you know if you go to seven and he's like uh, and he says you know the, a tree is going to be known by its fruits and. Um, you know, you got a you got one good foundation and one poor foundation. I have to imagine that fruit and foundations have to do with generosity, with prayer, and with um, spiritual formation, such as fasting. And so, um, so Jesus does tell us, um, pray seeking the Lord 
and not to impress others. He does say to fast, seeking the Lord, and not to impress others. Um, um, so the, and 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 give, seeking to honor God and to yeah. trust His reward, not others, because He's really dealing with a group of individuals who've been taught how to fast and to pray and to give in a Pharisee. Uh, in a public show, kind in, of way, in a, in a public show that they liked. Yes, right. Like it's not like it's not like they had it a different attitude. Like piety. Yes, they didn't have it. They had. They were not like, oh, look at those Pharisees. They're like, wow, look at those Pharisees. Yeah, they're the ones that get it. So that's the context, and Jesus is confronting that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's being the if that's being the principle, what else do you think Jesus might say to us? Because I mean, we really the sermon that I preached that kind of spurred this conversation had to do with us being salt and light. Yeah. So if we're going to be salt and light. In our world today, we don't go again. It's not like we can go, oh, yeah, we're allowed to be show-offs now. No, no, no. We take all of this, and what would you add? So continue to pray, seeking God, mm-hmm. but then what, what would you add in terms of like how— I want to just kind of talk about those three things real quick, praying, um, giving, and fasting. What would you add to what Jesus says— or not add to? Can we add to what <laughs> Jesus says? Isn't it fun to think out loud? Um, but you know what I mean by yeah, that, right? Yeah, yeah. What, what, what would you what would you add from the other teachings of Jesus that would help modify our understanding of, of what this looks like for our audience? On prayer, fasting, and giving, yeah, and pick one. And I got one for fasting. Okay, but can you think of one for giving? Like, what do you what do you think we get wrong about giving privately or praying privately? What are we missing that Jesus would want us to hear? I think. Um we underestimate the um, the blessing that it is to be prayed over. Hmm. I think that um, we also, <laughs> well-intended maybe, lie all the time about our willingness to pray for things. Hey, hmm. I'm having a blah, blah, blah. Can you pray for that? Yeah, I'll pray for that. I, I, I have a handful of friends that won't say, yeah, I'll pray for that. They're like, let's pray for that now. Yeah, And I yeah, think that there is yeah. so much value. And truth be told, sometimes it's like I'm walking into a meeting and I can't stop and do whatever right now. But by and large, I think that um, our prayers um, can just become anemic because we, one, don't do them together. Okay, I like that phrase. Hold on. Anemic prayer. And that's, I think that's a good way to put it. It's not that they're non-existent for many no. people, but they are anemic, which means they're lacking some real... Yeah, for Some example, real iron. <laughs> some of the uh, yeah, some of the uh, some of what uh, a number of us on staff and maybe even some others have experienced over the last year and a half, almost two years now, is uh, we've had a more um, intentional time on Mondays and occasionally on Thursdays to to pray very scripted prayers together. Yeah. There are many of those prayers straight out of the Book of Psalms, um, or even straight out of Paul's epistles. There's some wonderful yep. prayers there. Yep. And I have noticed when I hear our um, uh, spontaneous, spontaneous off the cuff prayers, I knew where you're going with it. Yeah, I just hear us praying better. And I, can't, and I know a lot of people are like, "Hey Ryan, I don't know if we're allowed to say praying better." I unapologetically say we're praying better. Sure, sure, and, and publicly. Publicly. Which, isn't, which isn't in contradiction to what Jesus taught. I don't think so. Yeah, see, I agree. I like that. So I think you know. Um, how many fathers are uncomfortable praying with their children? Yeah, and and then use. I, I don't know if they're using this verse, probably not, as like a as like a proof case for them. But I think they are comforted in the fact that they don't feel called out because Jesus told us we were supposed to pray privately. Yeah, and so that's kind of. I'm really taking it. I'm going. I don't think you understand what he meant. Well, his apostles didn't. 
because they pray all the time. Paul makes it very public. In every letter, go back and read Paul's letters. It's a great thing to pray through. Go back and look at the beginning of every Paul's letters, and he says, here's what I've been praying for. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, go into your closet. So obviously he knew the Sermon on the Mount, and he did that and didn't think there was a contradiction. Yes. And that's that's good for us to hear. What's one of the number one recommendations you give to young preachers on how to get better? Oh, is it just preach whenever you can? Never say no to never a say no to preaching opportunity. Never say no to a teaching opportunity. And I even mean that proverbially, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Although I tried to take it pretty literally, and so have you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Justin is out of control. <laughs> um, but I would say the same thing for yeah. prayer. You know, yeah. I, I know a lot of people that say, you know, I just I don't know how to pray very well. I agree. <laughs> I'm not even going to hear sit here and make you feel better. Yeah, yeah. Let's get better, and you just yeah. like the truth be told, the best thing for you is reps. And I think you should pray privately. I really do. I think that can be sure. Know, a, an inner prayer life sure. is one of the most beautiful sure. and and life giving things. But don't don't underestimate the value of praying together. I would even say this. I would say for the most part, again, there's always going to be an exception to this. That if you don't like praying publicly. I've not met any. I've met very few. I'll say that I've met few people who literally have um, uh, a robust prayer life, and then stop and cold then, turkey and then stop maybe. cold turkey. And and by, by the way, they might feel more uncomfortable preaching or te- or, sorry, praying in front of seven hundred people. Yeah, but like I know very very few. Right, I even know some of our elders that are probably more uncomfortable praying in front of all of our congregation. That's more of a that's a personality yeah, thing. That's, more than I don't really like standing up in front of us. Yeah, but I mean, when our elders get together on the first Wednesday of every month and pray, every one of them, I I, I can tell you, every one of them prays. Yeah. Right. Some pray more than others in the room, right? And I even think that's a bit of a personality thing. On Monday when we do our prayer time, yeah, right. Some of us pray more than others, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think that means that they're the, the you know the ones that pray more are the ones that pray more privately. But I, I do believe there is a correlation. It is the exception, not the rule. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I think that's important. So on all of these, right, praying, giving, and fasting, I think it is really important that we realize that particularly if you have young people at home, right, children at home, that they're watching you. And so when I've got a 16-year-old I'm talking to or an 18-year-old I'm talking to who doesn't know how to pray, I got if Matthew comes to me when he's 18 years old and say I have no idea how to pray, I don't call you up and go, "Good job, bro. You nailed it. You 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 absolutely nailed it." I come I, bursting in the room. Were you not paying attention? <laughs> What's wrong with you? This one is not my fault. <laughs> no, but it's interesting because I mean, we're supposed to be teaching them these things. Yeah. Right? Even the disciples go to Jesus in this context, teach us how to pray. Yeah. And yeah. And, and in that context, he didn't say pray from the heart. No, he gave some really good specific I mean the the Lord's Prayer oh, yeah. is a great uh kind of a I won't say formula, but it's somewhat of a a number of key ideas that yeah. the God's will be done, that He helps us through temptation, um, that we humble ourselves and forgive, like that we trust Him for our, our our daily and ongoing provision. Like Jesus gave us some great ways to to think about prayer. So on fasting, both in particular and then in general, um, it's been a part of my life for a lot of different reasons for a lot of years, and um, I went through a time when my boys were little, and I was fasting. And I, I'll never forget when I thought, well, I probably should tell him because it's going to be an extended period of time. And Dad just coming to the meals, praying with the boys, and then not eating. Just sitting there. Yeah, sitting there. It's going to be weird. So I need to explain it to them. And I, so I had done it for a while and kind of just avoided the conversation. And now the boys are getting a little bit older, and I can't remember what it was, a week or something like that. And so they were going to see me for an extended period of time not eating. And then when I was telling them that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be fasting, 
it was interesting. They all assumed that it was my first time doing it. Hmm. And I was so convicted that I had failed in, you know, I always showered, as Jesus describes. I always had my hair kept, right? So I'm not walking around the office all depressed. John the Baptist. John the (laughs) Baptist. Hey, who who hired John? Um, But I remember thinking to myself that I I had some missed opportunities to model in front of my children a uh, a fasting my, my kids didn't know how to fast they didn't know why to fast yeah they didn't know anything about it at all and it was my responsibility as a father not as a pastor but as yeah. a father to model biblical fasting to them yeah you know I mean, we Rachel and I you know and they, the kids would have been so we're three years in so Matthew would have been five Audrey would have been three so at a five and three year old level when the uh, when we first began the capital campaign to build the new children's building. Uh, Rachel and I didn't labor long on how wonderful a new building would be. We, but we talked to them extensively at a five and three year old level about what our family was going to do to help this happen. Yeah, and we didn't need them to like marvel at it. We needed them to know that yeah. it was normal. Yeah, and that it's to be expected. And that when they're seventeen and fifteen, and we need to do something like this, they're like, "What? Why would we be generous?" <laughs> You know, I I need. Why would we be kingdom minded? Exactly. When did that start? (laughs) Like, oh, (laughs) how did you miss this? How did you miss this? Well, you know, it's interesting when Andrew and I were telling the kids that we were going to be moving to Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, I think it was my my middle kid, Mackenzie. He said um, something about I really don't want to leave Joplin. Like I just I love Carl Junction. I don't want to leave. It's going to be sad. I'm going to lose lose my friends. And I I remember sitting in our living room and realizing I had an opportunity to help this young man understand how and why we make decisions about where we live. Yeah. And you know now he lives in Poland, so it's, it seemed like he was paying attention. But I literally said to him, I said, "Son, we never would be in Carl Junction." Yeah. If I followed what you're telling me, if if your mom and I had said we really like Calgary, our family lives here, our friends are here, our jobs are here. I know the Lord seems to be pulling us to to go to school and to 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 move to Joplin in the first place. Um, but and I, and I and so I told him, I just want you to understand, son, how we make decisions is this way. Yeah. And that's kind of what I think Jesus going back. It's salt and light. Yeah. yeah. This is this is what he desires, and salt looks like a God honoring. Prayer, yes, right, not self-seeking, yes, and God honoring giving, not self-seeking, and that's why that's why it's interesting. If you decide to give privately for self-seeking purposes, it's gross. Then, well, no, but you miss this, yeah, right, because this is God honoring giving, yes, and so you've you've missed it, it's not. So if you decide you to miss the point, yes, if you decide to have private prayer for the sake of self self interest ideas. Yeah, you completely actually missed the point of of what praying was for. Yeah, and I I just I just I find that to be really 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 uh, encouraging, challenging, and helpful. Well, and you can use you know without violating Jesus' principles, you can use each of these areas as ways to testify to the glory of God, which yeah. I think goes yeah. back to being salt and light. And not long ago, Matthew got into the back seat of my car, and he's like, "Dad, your car is the worst. It's you know this vent back here is broken." I said, first of all, you broke that. <laughs> Second of all, he's like, "Why can't we get a new car?" I said, "Well, you want me to tell you? We could, but your mom and I have made decisions to use our money differently, and yeah. so I, I I have an opportunity to talk to him about missionaries and about the building that he loves so much and all the video games he thinks that Zane bought him." <laughs> <laughs> 
And I just and, and it was just this little thirty second moment yeah, to explain yeah. to an eight year old um, like a kingdom minded way to be generous. And so, you know, for the next X number of years, we're gonna drive the car you broke, and that'll be fine because. It'll be your car. It'll be someday. <laughs> I will sell it to you for the price of the parts you broke. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, I hope this has been helpful as we have talked about this. And I really hope that if there's anything more that we can do um, to address this issue or specifically, I love I love wrestling with these things. I mean, this is what it is, is we do on staff a lot, is what does it actually look like to live out what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, or Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. Um, and, and I've really been blessed to be around you guys, and you've helped me learn how to disciple my kids, love my kids, discipline my kids, um, live my life, discipline my life, all of those things. Um, and I guarantee you there's a bunch of you listening right now that would go, I, I could use some help in that. May we never grow tired of saying we are here and would love to continue the faith conversation. Yep, we would. Absolutely. Love you guys. Love you too.